0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Well, I think, first of all, greetings from Lewiston, Idaho. I do have a home group here. Uh, We meet three times a week. Right now, we're using a telephone conference call to meet. And I look forward to having face-to-face meetings again someday. I uh, think the most important thing for me to say right now is that I have a hopeless disease of mind, body, and spirit, and I didn't know that. I knew I was miserable, but I did not know that. I didn't know the rest, obviously. I have an obsession of the mind and a physical allergy. When I introduce lust, or physical sex, I trigger the desire for more, and that is by definition an allergy. I am powerless to change um, to change those thoughts and those behaviors by myself, and I can't be changed by any other human. It is only my higher power who can change my thinking and my behaviors. Because I have to experience an entire psychic change. And I can't do that of my own willpower. It only comes from a higher power. So, um, I started out first. I want to share a little bit about what my life was like before recovery, what happened and what it's like now. And along the way, I want to share some of the sayings that I learned From who knows where. Some of them were really negative and did not help me. Actually, they supported my disease. And then eventually, I started hearing and learning some slogans that supported my recovery. And speaking of slogans, I also want to preface um, the rest of my talk by saying there's no such thing as one-liner recovery. Recovery has to come about through working for me, my recovery had to come about through working the steps with a sponsor and having a fellowship um, that of other people who were on the same journey. And that includes the ones who went before me uh, and showed me that that this can work and showed me by their lives and by how they live that some little things I didn't know. Sex is optional. Um, Things like that. Anyway, those who've gone before me um, paved the way and helped me see that there is hope for this hopeless disease. So, um, there's no such thing as one-liner recovery. There's an AA speaker, uh, Chris Raymer, who talks a lot about, or used to, I just ran across an old uh, recording of his that was really helpful to me. And he points out that um, he went to a lot of a, like seven years worth of AA meetings, I think it was, hearing things like, keep coming back, uh, think, 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 uh, you know, those slogans that we hear. But nobody sat him down and said, you have a hopeless disease. Here's the steps. Let me show you how to work them. So I hope that our fellowship will always remember to do that, to, to grab a newcomer and tell them you don't have to live like this anymore. There is hope. And we um, can show you how we did it, how it worked for us. So I, I really want to emphasize that, that there's no such thing as one-liner recovery. Okay. So what I was like when I found this program um, or before I found this program, I was a flirt. I really, um, I didn't know any other way to relate to men other than learning and using my um, um, what my body to get what I wanted, which was attention and affection. Um, I didn't start out that way. I, I don't know how I became a sexaholic. I have no history in my family of sexualism that I'm aware of. I have no history of sexual abuse in my own childhood. Um I was not abused physically. Um there was my family wasn't perfect. My dad had a lot of fear and anxiety when he was younger and working hard to raise his three kids with my mom. Um, and his anxiety led to, you know, temper tantrums, we called them. He did, he never, um, struck any of us or my mother, but he would throw things across the room once in a while and he would yell and he would have little temper tantrums. I remember, um, thinking that was just how men were, but, um, over the years he mellowed and he stopped those behaviors once the pressure was off. And that wasn't until his last child graduated from high school and got launched. And that was me. So once, once we were all out of the house, he was able to change those behaviors. Anyway, that's the extent of any abuse that I might've suffered that, that I'm aware of. Um, but what I did as I, um, I got married at age 21 to a man who, um, gave me lots of love and attention, and was a very wonderful person. Three years into our marriage, he uh, confessed that he was gay, and that he'd been having lots and lots of sex with lots and lots of other men, and that we would probably need to get a divorce, unless, of course, I wanted to join him and do some three-way sex stuff. I passed on that. I wasn't interested in that, and it took us another three years to kind of disentangle our lives and get the divorce so uh one of some of the things he told me during those last three years were things like what you need is a quote real man and uh he encouraged me to start looking for that person so i did start having affairs while i was in my first marriage and i I know that I had never thought about that in the first three years when I thought I had a happy marriage. And um, anyway, I I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying that's that's what happened. I did not ever think I would be a an unfaithful wife. Um, and then toward the toward the very end of that marriage. Uh, I was, um, secretly seeing a man I worked with who was married. And, um, it, I don't, I don't know why I chose somebody who was married. It's just what happened. That was my experience. And he explained to me that it was none of my business that he was married or what he and his wife, um, how they worked that out, that that was simply none of my business. So I gave myself permission. At that point, to just be with whoever I wanted to be with, and that really was the beginning of my um, active sexual acting out. So uh, I manipulated people and situations to get what I wanted. I had um, numerous affairs with married men. I um, I dated men who I knew. my girlfriend was interested in. Um, I did that in about three different situations and caused a lot of pain for the women who thought I was their friend. Um, Oh, I did what I call overlapping relationships. And that means I didn't really end one before I started the next. Um, The slogan there that is an unhealthy slogan is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Uh, all spare in love and war, um, and boy, what tangled webs we weave, and I did, with lots and lots of secrets, lots and lots of different different things going on all at the same time. I had some um, consequences of that, those behaviors. I contracted a venereal disease, genital herpes. Uh, I had had sex with three different men in three different three different days in a row, so I didn't know who I got it from or who I gave it to. Um, another consequence of all that overlapping was um, I got pregnant, and I couldn't be sure which of two different men was the father. I um, had an abortion at that time. I knew that I would not be a good mother. But I didn't really think of it that way. I thought of it like, uh, baby's really gonna dampen my lifestyle right now and just kind of be in the way. So I better not do this. And I, all the all along here, I had women friends who supported me in my lifestyle and in my, in those behaviors. Um, so at, at some point, a uh, number of years into all that acting out, I did what they call an AA a geographic cure. I moved almost 2000 miles away from home, which was Texas, and I moved to Idaho. And I was just always in search <clears throat> of the perfect man for me. The unhealthy slogan I, our line that I believed in was that you are not a whole woman unless you're in a relationship. So I had to just kind of keep searching for it to to fill this emptiness I had inside. That at the time I had no idea that I had the, the God shaped hole in in my heart that I couldn't fill. Um, so I moved to Idaho. I met a guy here. I thought I really felt like I loved him and could love him, and felt his love for me. Um, we got married eventually and I was just sure that getting married would, um, set my boundaries, that I, my marriage balance was going to cure all this acting out. I mean, he's a really good man and I had a lot of respect for him and love for him. So, uh, we got married and I gradually became, um, demanding, and I was unsatisfied in a lot of areas of our life. Um, about a year and a half after we got married, I I was again flirting with another man. I had another affair, which I never thought I would do after I got married again. I never thought that. Um, and I kind of thought, well, we're just sexually incompatible. And and my friends told me, oh, it's okay to look outside your marriage for sex if you're not satisfied at home. Um, another one of the lies I believed was someday your knight in shining armor will arrive and just sweep you off your feet. And then it'll be easy to leave this marriage because he, you know, Mr. Wright's going to be here. Um, the other, um, lie I believed in around that time when I was Having affairs while I was married was uh, just because I'm on a diet doesn't mean I can't look at the menu. I did a lot more than look at the menu. However, I, I placed some some orders from that menu. Well, I became addicted to the intrigue, the tease, and the forbidden. I lusted after the physical passion and the adrenaline high of the affair. I went for the chemistry. And I had lots and lots of secrets. Um And the lie I believed there was, what he doesn't know can't hurt him. My mother totally denied ever teaching me that. And I don't know, it was a cultural thing, I guess. But I remember thinking, well, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. Um And so I was living a double life just full of secrets. And I got kind of miserable. Um, I came across a healthy slogan that I've learned since I've been in recovery that really fits about, well, all of my recovery life, all of my acting out life. And that slogan, which fits still today, I am violating my standards faster than I can lower them. and. I, um, not so much today. Thank goodness now that I have some recovery, but I really was miserable. I really was full of secrets and I started learning I am as sick as my secret. I came to, um, start seeing this when a friend gave me a book called codependence misunderstood and mistreated by Anne Wilson Shay. And that book, I really resonated with that book. So I sought her out. She was doing intensives. I went to a weekend intensive with her and a group, and that was the first place I ever heard the word sex addiction that I'm aware of anyway. And I related and I really saw myself in what they were sharing about themselves. And I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity to hear. About sex addiction and that safe place to learn about it. So uh, it took two years, but two years later, I joined a training group that's just a, a longer term commitment with that group within Look and Shape. And with their support, uh, in 1991, I went to my first 12 step meeting to address sex addiction. It was um, a different it wasn't SA. It was one of the other S program, 12 step program. And, um, it was helpful. It helped me start recognizing my behaviors and, uh, helped me start. I had to learn when I was flirting. I did it so automatically. I didn't even know. Um, I didn't know what it was or when I was doing it. It was just the way that I was interacting. So. Um, in, oh, and then about a, a year after that, in 1992, I joined SA, And fortunately, I have not had to change that sobriety date. So, uh, February 28, 1992 is my, uh, um, AA sobriety date. I got a lot of support from AA. I learned a lot about the big book and I'm very grateful for all those learnings and I couldn't stay sober from my sex addiction. I, I kept um, finding ways to um, to use to have affairs. Um, and let's see, somewhere around that time, I had started my recovery. I had the support of Ann Wilson Shakes Living Process Group, and I did. I I had a sponsor. I was working steps in uh, SLAA and I did my reveal to my husband. I explained to him I had been having affairs. I'm not doing that now. Here's the recovery. Here's how, here's where I'm getting support to change those behaviors. I did have a few more affairs after that, a few more instances of um, acting out sexually and all. All that time, I was trying not to, but I was white knuckling a lot of that time. I was trying to be in control of my own, um, behaviors and I didn't, I didn't get surrender. In fact, I believe it was around 2014, my current sobriety date, when I really started to understand surrender. So, um, journey through the, um, steps, you've already heard step one pretty much, a summary of that from me. And I uh my my healthy slogan now in step one is I'm as sick as my secret. Um step two tend to believe that a power greater than Susie could restore me to sanity. Uh thank goodness for that because I couldn't do it on my own. I kept doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And I learned that that was one definition of insanity. And since then, I've also learned that I can do the same things over and over, expect different knowing, but knowing what the results will be and still do it anyway. And that really fits uh, for me, for my insanity, is knowing how miserable I'm going to be afterwards um, and how guilty I'm going to feel and how much of a failure as a wife and a human being I'm going to feel when I act out and betray the commitments that I, that I've made. So, and then I do it anyway. So, um, I had to recognize that I was in fact insane. And as I look back today, I can see how insane my thinking was. I thought I was invisible. I thought I could behave in these ways and nobody would notice. Nobody would see. Um, So I had to be able to admit to my innermost self that I am a real lust and sex addict. And that comes from page 30 in the big book. And the uh, big book says this is the first step to recovery. That at first thing I have to do is admit that I'm really an addict. And I just, I had a lot of trouble with that. I kept comparing myself out. I kept hearing other stories in, in meetings thinking, I just wasn't that bad. I mean, I could read, uh, I, I did the same thing with AA. I read the old story, and found that I was uh, comparing myself out. So finally, I got some coaching about looking for the similarities, not the differences. Okay, I really didn't mean to talk about my disease that long. I wanted to spend more time on recovery, and I just got my five-minute warning. So I am going to Zoom forward here on Zoom and mention that some of the slogans that helped me along the way were let go and let God one day at a time. Without God, I can't. Without me, God won't. I learned that God is not going to reach down with a magic wand and take away all my character defects. I have to work on those. Um, if I spot it, I got it. That's um, how I uh, judge and uh, criticize others. Don't quit five minutes before the miracle happens. Easy does it, but do it and progress, not perfection. Those things really helped me on the fourth step. Fourth step was really fun at first because I got to write about all the mean stuff other people had done to me. And then I got to the fourth column where I had to start seeing where was I selfish the thought of self-seeking and frightened. And that wasn't so much fun. In fact, I had to have a sponsor help me with that because I could not see my responsibility. so the, um, I want to talk a little bit about, oh, I had a wonderful fifth step. The nature of my wrongs were revealed. My character defects were revealed. My sponsor took notes and gave them to me afterward and helped me recognize those character defects. And um, step six, the devil's in the details, And that's um, something that just came up for me recently to look at. And what I want to say about that is recovery is in the details. You know, of course, I had to address the big stuff. I had to stop using. I had to stop acting out with other men. I had to do all those big things. And today, um, recovery is in the details. If I i am going to zip forward to the tenth step because I have recently learned um, from the Big Book Unveiled book study, thank you, David G., and also Dennis T. for uh, helping me learn that there's a, a better way for me to do steps 10 and 11. I've had my little card. I've had this little card for years, and on this little card, I wrote out the little outline for steps ten and eleven. You can't read it from there, anyway. It's just got the questions for steps ten and eleven. And I would think about it. You know, when I was early in AA, I did it in writing. But uh, for years, I just kind of thought about it, looked, glanced at it, maybe thought through it at night, Then my prayers, and went to sleep. Um, now, what I've learned. And I've only been doing this for three weeks. So, um, but for three weeks, I've been looking carefully on page 84 of the AA big book. And it points out, it's starting kind of in the middle of the page, five things that I can do every day, all day through the day. One is to spot the thoughts. Those thoughts are being selfish, dishonest, resentful, or fearful. And I, Expanded that to I spot any character defects that I know I have that I've already written about. And I have even summarized that more to say, Okay, I'm spotting any negative thought, any negative thought I have during the day. I spot it. I pray and ask God to remove it. That's number two. Three is to discuss it with another person or share it or send a text. And I've, I've done that. Four is make amends if I've harmed anyone, and five is to turn my thoughts to how to help someone else. That fifth thing, I never remembered to do that uh, when I was just thinking about it. And so, the recovery in the details for me is doing this in this way. I, I just fire. I, I, of course, this is backwards. Usually, a sponsor will direct you to do this. As a sponsee, I contacted two different sponsors, my essay sponsor and a sponsor in another program, and said, "Can I start sending this to you every day, all through the day?" And they both agreed. So um, now I send this um, to um, two people every every time something like that comes up, and then on on step eleven. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. I, um, I I do that in writing and take a picture of it and then send that to the same two people every night. And I don't know if I'll do this forever, but I've done it every night now for three weeks, and I see no reason to stop because I have great benefits that I'm experiencing already. Uh, first of all, just those little five. Steps, helps me notice those things and I can change them and helps me look at how to help others and pretty often I don't just think about it I do it I do whatever the thought came up for me so I believe my time is up and I um, want to thank you for letting me share and I'm sure there's a lot of other stuff that um, I didn't say that I'll wish later I had but that's enough
2: for today, and thank you. I will pass. Thank you, uh, thank you, Luke, uh, for the meeting, and thank you, <clears throat> thank you, Susie, for your share. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It went uh, to the heart. Um, uh, thank you for sharing your story as well, because um, it's really important for me to 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 listen and to identify. Um, and uh, that really did do it for me. Um, and thank you also for sharing what you shared at the end of your talk as well, because. It was really useful for me to hear how practical you know, recovery can be, uh, how it is about some actions and they're simple actions, but they really help on a daily basis. And um, nice to see somebody sharing from Idaho as well. Um, I had a sort of uh, night and day experience of Idaho. I went to Idaho the first time for work the, the last few months before I got sober. And then I went again for work to Moscow, to Riggins, these kinds of places um, a year and a bit after I got sober. And it was like a complete night and day experience. So it really sort of brought back some of those memories of a horrendous time in Idaho, the first time, and then a lovely time sober the second time. Thank you. Thank you. Come visit
1: again.
3: John L.,
4: Hi, everybody. I'm John. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, thank you very much, Susie, for, uh, for your share. Um, I can really appreciate it because uh, one of my defects I was actually just writing this in an email to Nancy a little while ago is um, about is uh, intellectual pride. And I can um, I can take uh, any slogan and and play it off all the other slogans. To get the one that gets me the result I want at any time, um, and and use that to to justify things. So your idea about uh, no one line of recovery really resonates to me. And finally, what you were saying at the end about uh, sharing your tenth and eleventh step, uh, that was something my sponsor started doing with me um, several months ago, and then I started doing that, and that's just that that's really helped me as well. Um, uh, and I I found, and I don't know, maybe you could speak to this too. I found that it helped me throughout the day because I think ahead and like, you know, I'm going to be putting this in my 10th and 11th step, my sponsor. Maybe I want to rethink what I'm just about to do, say, and think. Um, So uh, thank you again for your share. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you, John. Yes, I do. uh, I do have that same experience. You know, I, I think about, well, do I really want to have to send this in a text and admit this and or write it down tonight in my inventory? That, that's true. And it, it really helps me be more mindful throughout the day of, am I being kind and loving to everyone? Um, and you, you remind me of something else I, I do want to share. So I'm going to throw it in here as a response to you. And that is that, um, the, there are three three questions that I ask, have asked myself since I've been in recovery pretty much to help me make those daily decisions of what to do or what not to do. And it's three questions I ask myself. One is, is what I'm thinking about doing going to be something I want to keep secret? And is what I'm thinking about doing going to support my recovery. And then, am I willing to go to any lengths for my recovery? So, those three questions throughout the day help me when I have choices to make.
3: Thank you, Susie. Don't forget, uh, those who want to share to raise your virtual hands in the chat, Uh, Katrin.
5: Thank you, thank you, Luke, and um, thank you, Susie, for your share very much. Um, I want to say that I had a lot of identification um, when you shared about. I think it was a brilliant idea to use slogans from uh, that brought you more into the disease, and then slogans who brought you to recovery. Um, it exposed my sick thinking when I was when I was uh, acting out or in my disease, and. I, uh, I don't know all the, the wording in English and the things, but I understood it and we have them in German as well. <laughs> and so I, I gave myself a lot of permission and I also surrounded myself with people who gave me permission to live the lifestyle that I had. And, um, gradually these contacts all broke away in, in recovery. And, um, but, what I wanted to ask is, um, lately, I have been tempted a lot to flirt because you also mentioned that flirting was uh, one of your um, defects that was very strong. And also, um, yeah, I have a lot of fantasies. The way that I try to deal with it with my sponsor also is to, <laughs> I send her a, a certain emoji, a flower or something on WhatsApp. she has all these flowers (laughs) and in the end she says thank you for the flowers uh but um it's it's really difficult for me at the moment and i i pray to my higher power and ask um to please remove me out of this fantasy world and to let me be in reality but maybe you also have some more ideas what to do when when you're tempted to flirt or it's Yeah, there's a lot of love going on through the day. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Catherine. Um, I had a lot of support people who held my feet to the fire, you know, who kept me accountable. And um, for a long time, my current sponsor, I had a deal with her uh, because there was one lingering, you know, stash of a man that I kept wanting to to be in touch with and wanting to flirt with. And my deal with my sponsor was I would always call her before I would contact him. If I wanted to contact him, I would talk to her first. And but, you know, if I did, and I did that. And always when I talked it over with her, There was absolutely no good, I had no good reason to go there, had no good reason, uh, to be contacting him. And back to those three questions, was that going to support my recovery? No. Was I going to want to keep it secret? Yeah. Uh, yes. And what am I willing to do? Am I willing to go to any lengths for my recovery? Um, so, um, those are the things. And of course, working with a sponsor and, Um, Those, um, the essay white book has a section near the back called Overcoming Lust and Temptation. Is that the right name? And they call it the 18 wheeler because there are 18 points that are really good summaries of the whole program, in in my view. I reread that sometimes and um, recommend it, have supported. That's what comes up for me now.
3: Thank you, Catherine. Good luck to you. Thank
1: you, Susie. Lee? Hi,
6: my name's Lee, and I'm a real sexaholic. And uh, I want to thank you for uh, giving a slogan that could encapsulate my entire uh, years as a sexaholic active, and that is I I love the idea of lowering my – I mean – violating my ethics faster than I could lower them uh, because that was really true. Um, I I'm, I'm have blanked my video because I can't hear audio if I have the video on. I'm not hiding. Um, I, I really uh, appreciate the thought that uh, recovery is in the details because um, it is as you got down sharing about the 10th and 11th step and all of the details that went with that, I really thought that was a wonderful, there were wonderful uh, web of details that encapsulated the 12th step actually, because it actually is practicing the principles in all of my affairs and carrying the message. And, uh, I think that the 12th step is just a title, actually, for what that all is to me. Uh, is that the way you see it, or do you do something else in the 12th step? That's just my comments.
1: Thank you, Lee. Um, I do see it that way. And of course, um, you know the 12th step to me also of course it's about carrying the message and about being a service um, and I think service can take a lot of different forms so it's of course it's sponsorship and it for a lot of people it's doing um, service positions in the region and area and on up the chain Um and yeah, I don't know. When I think of the twelve steps, I think of that uh, appendix in the AA big book called the uh, spiritual experience, and I just love the words that it uses in there because it says, "I've had a profound alteration in my reaction to life," and my spiritual experience has been of the educational variety over a long term, um, and I have experienced a profound alteration I don't I don't uh, have that um, of mental obsession to flirt and to lust and and all of that. I just don't have that anymore. I'm not interested. So that's that comes that's what comes up for me when I think about the 12th step. Thanks.
3: Thanks Susie.
1: Thank you Lee.
3: Nancy, you can share.
5: Yeah. Hi, Nancy. Grateful to be a sexaholic. Hi, Susie. Um, hi. I know that recovery isn't one-liners. Um, I have a favorite one, one day at a time. Um, I have a son who's a recovering alcoholic and he says, mom, that's just so trite. Now, for me, I really, I wondered if you have a favorite slogan.
1: Um. Well, what popped into my mind is I am as sick as my secret. And that's a favorite because it helps me stay in, you know, it it helps me remember where I came from. Um, So that's what immediately came to my mind when you asked
5: that. I guess that would be my favorite. Well, Susie, thank you. And honestly, what I thought of is what you shared at the end. When you send things, so it's it's something that's ongoing, you know. And you stop think "Do I want to send this?" That that was great. What you what you talked about at the end. Thanks.
3: Thank you, Nancy. Nora, please go ahead.
1: Hi, this is Nora. Hi, Susie. Hi, Nora. Thank you so Hi, much for sharing this. um I don't have a lot to say or share, but I just wanted to thank you for for being here. And, um, I just really wanted to tell you that I'm just grateful for this feeling that I just feel, I know you better. And it means the world really, I'm just so grateful to be here right now and to listen to you. Thanks. Thank you, Nora.
3: Thank you, Nora. Buddy S. Hey, thanks, Luke.
7: I couldn't find the, uh, the raise hand flag thing there. Um, thanks, Susie. Just the one thing I want to say, um, the idea, don't quit five minutes before the miracle happens. Um, I suffered from debilitating depression for 55 years and just absolutely refused to quit. Got AA sober over 40 years ago and 23 years now in, um, in S.A., my deal, one of the things that really triggers me is the holidays. I get very emotional, um, really, really f- screws up my head. And that's what I got to keep remembering is just don't quit before the miracle happens. Um, I just do the best I can and put one foot in front of the other and I get through the day. Um, so that's all. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that.
3: Thank you. Thank you buddy. Hi, this is Luke. I can't jump in because nobody raised their hands in one way or another. Um, thank you very much, Susie. I, um, I was list- I-, I was looking at you while you were sharing. And it seemed to me that you were sharing it like in a very, how to say this? Without shame. It's your story. Yeah. And that was very beautiful to see in a very sober way, very emotionally sober way, and very beautiful. And um, also I could identify how you came in through AA and then another S fellowship and then into SA because it's my story also. Uh, and it's many people's story. Um, I was for 10 years in another S fellowship. And after 10 years, I was doing national service in that fellowship. I could never stay sober. And after 10 years, I looked around And nobody was sober in our little fellowship. And the people that stepped over to SA when we started SA in Belgium, they're all sober today. Um, And just the last thing, uh, we are as sick as our secrets. I have a boundary that I cannot go online and search for any female name that I know of the past, whoever, except if it would be my grandmother. But... I'm not inclined to, to look up my grandmother uh, normally. So there was a, a girl of, tw- of 32 years ago that I thought yesterday and today, well, I should look her up because it's innocent. I mean, it's 32 years ago. I'm just wondering how she would be today. So it's not a good thing. I I, I heard it now, and I want to bring it to the light and to let it go. Thank you. Thank you, much.
1: Luke, you remind me of um, something else that I want to share. Um, I I heard part of it recently on a uh, another a speaker, but I can't remember who I heard it from to start with. But anyway, uh, fear lives in tomorrow, shame and guilt live in yesterday. God help me stay in the now. That. Um, just kind of came up for me. Thank you.
3: Thank you so much, Susie. From this point onwards, I forgot to say it, people with less than 30 days can share also. Uh, we can probably still take one share after River. River, it's your turn, please.
8: Thanks, Luke. And thank you, Susie, for sharing. Very, very helpful to me. And uh, thank you, Luke, for inspiring me to also um Share something. I was trying to decide who, uh, what one individual I could call and, um, and say, um, yeah, I've been watching this television show that I really need to stop watching, (laughs) but why not just say it here, you know, because I wanted to keep it secret, you know, I am uh, recovering. I'm at home uh, recovering right now from a surgery. Um, and so that's my excuse for, um, why, you know, I should be able to watch television when I haven't watched television for years. And I'm compulsively, I mean, it's just like the old story over again. And Susie shared, you know, trying to white knuckle it. Okay, I'm just going to watch one more. I'm just like, I just need to set that down. So thanks everyone for being here. I pass.
3: Thank you, River. Thank you, River. One more share. Who would like to jump in?
1: yes can you hear me Mariam
3: Mariam please go ahead
1: yes um, I would like to thank you Susie uh, for your great experience uh, really I am very happy to hear that experience and um, I'm so blessed today for what you say uh, I hope for you um, to continue on recovery and uh, and to be blessed in your life thank you so much Thank you, Mary. I'm so
3: glad to see you here. Or hear you here. Thank you. One more share, because it was a short one. Being an addict, I never get enough, so. If you don't know how to raise your hands, you can just unmute yourself and, and speak up.
9: You're taking one more, Luke? Hi, Daniel, please. <laughs> Daniel, sexaholic from Barcelona. I just wanted to throw out there. Some, uh, first of all, uh, I really, really appreciate your share. and identified with a lot of um, what you said about the chemistry and that, that sort of thing, the intrigue. Um, I also very much appreciate this meeting every Wednesday and how it alternates between men and women. And I think that really gives a lot of support for all of us here in SA and a lot of a lot more understanding among all of us. So I think that's wonderful. And then just uh, in Barcelona, our group that started, well, this meeting as well, in the business meeting when we were talking about a group conscience, we said, well, look, let's call our group Easy Does It. And someone very wise in the group with many years of recovery said, ah, but we need to add, but do it. At the end of that, because, you know, you're stinking thinking, thinking, oh, easy does it. I can do that. (laughs) But do it was pretty important. Anyway, that's all I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you very much, Susie.
1: Thank you, Daniel.
0: I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members.